0: Matter of fact, Revelation says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. Blessed are you who reads and hears, understands, and does these things that have been written. You're blessed. Anybody feel blessed? As we have been through Revelation, we've gone through 21 chapters. You know how much is left? One more chapter and that's it. The very last chapter of Revelation is what we're on. Matter of fact, it's not only the of Revelation, but it's the very last chapter that's in the Bible. That's significant the way this ends, isn't it? What great hope it leaves us. doesn't leave us standing in the dark, does it? God has revealed much to us about the future in details about the new heavens, the new earth, about the kingdom and uh, all of that. It's dealing with the blessed hope. Titus talks about the blessed hope or Peter talks about this hope. You know, the things on earth do not compare with what the things are in the new heavens and the new earth. The grand and glorious future that we have. And there is nothing here we can even get close to comparing to what it is. And we're talking about a home that has something like diamonds. So much more brilliant than even the diamonds that we see here on earth. And they're going to be all over in the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And the foundation stones are going to be those precious, costly stones of many, many colors. All of that's going to be there. And, of course, we've heard about streets of gold. Well, this kind of gold is different. You can see through it. It's transparent. kind of makes up the streets and maybe the ground. And uh, can you imagine all of these things reflecting the very glory of God? all over the city and all over the heavens and all over the earth. I mean, it's going to be incredible what is radiating from God, reflecting His splendid beauty and uh, radiant beauty. It's just simply indescribable. Except for what God has written here, how can you improve on it? What language can I use to be able to explain what all this means? And our human minds, we've already talked about it, cannot come up with how beautiful this is going to be. You've got your picture in your mind, well, it's going to be a million times better than that. You can't even imagine. We're going to continue to glimpse into this place. We're not done yet. I'm glad of that. We're not done with looking in to the place where we're going to live. I mean, what what else is there that we can look at? Well plenty. What is this paradise all about? And what's this treasure in heaven that we hear about so much? What is it? Well Luke 23, it's recorded there. Jesus says this. Jesus said this: "Be glad in that day and leap." for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. It's not just a reward, it's not just a good reward, but it's a great reward in heaven. Whenever, Whenever Jesus says great, mega, it goes much greater than anything we can imagine, right? You know what? The riches of heaven, the treasures... They're laid up for us, waiting for whenever we come. We're waiting for that. We have great hope. Our hope is laid up in heaven. Now, if that doesn't get you going, I don't know what will. So, let's go to the Scripture now and read that passage that you probably read and heard so many times. Let it come alive even more than it ever has before, okay? As we go through each word and each phrase, let's stand and here's what God has actually written for us. He's telling us, this is straight from His mouth. Then He, His angel, showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His bondservants will serve Him. They will see His face." And His name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night. And they will not have need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. Great God, we've just read a passage that gets us excited. For we know this is what is awaiting us. We have no idea outside of what you have given us in English language. Baby talk, you've bent down to us to get it on a level that we can get some kind of an idea that what is waiting is just beyond our imaginations. It is so glorious, Lord, and it's all because of who you are. And the grandest thing that's going to happen is that we will see you for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Alright, you ready? Here we go. He showed me a river. Now the angel is showing John a lot of things. This whole book, he has seen some amazing things, hasn't he? Now he sees more. We left off in chapter 21 last week, and we know that the presence of God is always before us there. The visible presence... The brilliance of the glory of God is like a completely clear diamond shining in the brilliant light of the very glory, burning and shining and streaming from God all over the universe, the heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. In New Jerusalem, the wall is made of diamonds. The brightness, the brilliance is there. The city is like gold all over it. It's like gold glass, transparent, foundational stones are the most precious stones, and the street is made of gold, and it's nothing like what we know here an absolute brilliant light that will be there, never any darkness. The light hits all corners of everywhere for infinity. No darkness whatsoever. And I began to wonder, wonder if there's anything like shadows. I would doubt it. In God, there is no shadows. No darkness whatsoever. It's light all the time. Say, well, I like to sit under the shade of a tree. Well, see, that is because things are kind of bright and hot or whatever. Uh, Well, it won't ever be too bright or too hot for us because our new bodies will be able to take the full glory of God The very essence of the glory of God will be there and we'll never be blinded by it. We won't be tired. We'll always be energized every moment for eternity. I didn't make that up. That's what we've been reading for the past few weeks. That's what we've heard all of our lives. It almost sounds like a fairy tale, but you know what? It's a story made up uh, by God and it's all true the glorious things that will be there. So what we're going to do is look, up, take a further glimpse into this awesome city that He has made for all of us to live in. It's going to be glorious there. The first thing that we see is what John sees, a river of the water of life. Now, so far as we've been looking along through here we've just been seeing one thing after another and it's just glory I don't know what else to say it's glory well we say glory to God and we will be able to experience it constantly because if for one moment we don't have the glory of God shining on us then we're falling short of the glory of God have you ever thought of that? We'll always be in His glory and always see that glory. Never will we ever get away from it because we'll be short of that. And what is the definition of sin? Falling short of the glory of God. See, there is no darkness here ever. Uh, So, He talks about the water of life. What a glorious thing this is. You know, we're used to water here on earth we're so used to it, we do take it for granted. And we go in, we turn on the tap, we wash our hands, we splash it on our face of the morning to wake up. At least I do, and I keep splashing myself. Wake up, get that stuff out of my eyes. Water does that, just turn it on and wash my hands. Take a refreshing shower. Uh, Water the garden, water the tomatoes, you know, we use water all day long, it is a tremendous thing and we cannot live without water. Most of our body, the biggest percentage is made up of water. The earth, most of it is made up of water. This kind of water that's here though is not going to be like the water that we know. By the way, we won't have to take a drink of water, we'll never thirst, we'll never hunger. But if we want to drink out of that water of life, we sure can. Just for the taste of it, and uh, it's going to be something, isn't it? Something else. No time in history, though, has ever had, I would say up to maybe a hundred years ago, we've had it pretty easy, right? I mean, in our lifetime, we've always known running water, probably most of us. And uh, we've had it in our house. We have bathroom there. We have it in the kitchen, wherever else. We might have an extra room. we got water coming in there. And so it's really good. It's always there. Even in dry seasons, we have water. We turn on the tap. There it is. And uh, so it is taken for granted. Well, John is writing here. He came from where? Israel. Israel in the summertime is known to be kind of like California. Oh, it seems like to be a cursed state sometimes, doesn't it? With all the fires and the dryness. And uh, you know, they short on water a lot, electricity and what have you, or at least that's what we hear. Uh it's kinda interesting in Israel, uh it's it can be very dry and there's a lot of streams just dry up. Uh, of course you have the Sea of Galilee, that's always there and uh there might be a, you know, a few trickling streams here and there, but in the summer, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to get to the water. They would usually get it out of wells. I would hope that they would uh, not dry up, but I'm sure some of them did. There were times where they would go for three years, seven years, where there would be no rain. It would be drought. They get it more seriously than we do. Now, so that is the idea. We know that John says, I see this water of life that's coming from the throne. This water had to be beautiful. It was beautiful to those Israelites whenever they would see this any kind of streaming water. This water John has never seen before. Not like this. All he could do is describe it's a, it's a river, a, a water of life. And of course, water... Keeps us alive, doesn't it? You know, it, it's the idea of water of life is that this water they have there is absolutely 100% pure water. Have you ever seen 100% pure water? And say, Yeah, I have one of those deals that's underneath my kitchen sink and it purifies my water. It's just 100% pure. Well, close, but it doesn't get everything. Does pretty good, doesn't it? Uh, and of course, we you know we have the purifier you know here in Arnold City that uh, takes out a lot of that stuff. Still, sometimes tastes nasty to people. But uh, Jeff City water, good old Jeff City water, but it's clean. So my department tells me it's really good <laughs> here in Jeff City. <clears throat> At any rate, I still like extra filters to go along with that. Uh, water symbolizes eternal life in the Bible. We're going to look at just a few scriptures, maybe about three of them. But can you imagine John sees this throne. By the way, there's no temple there, but there is a throne. Coming from that area is this splashing of water. Maybe it's Mild and whatever, but it's coming across this transparent gold that's there already, and it's crystal clear. And maybe there's little steps, maybe it's cascading. You know, I mean, when you see water like that running down, it's time to get your camera out, isn't it? When you see water like coming out of a spring or something, it's got a stream going and it looks so clear and blue. It's just beautiful, just gorgeous. And you go, wow. And so, you know, we've got a lot of those springs here in Missouri. And they look crystal clear. You can see all the way to the bottom. Uh, but the let's say it's moving water coming down. It's reflecting the very light and glory that's emanating from God Himself. When you've seen a crystal clear stream, the brighter the day is out, the more crystal clear it is. At least as crystal clear as we can imagine. This is going to be much clearer. Crystal clear. Absolutely. Let's go to John chapter 4 and let's say there is really a reason why this is here. There's probably more than one. But Through passages that we've been given, it helps us out. Jesus in John 4 is speaking to the woman at the well. She's a Samaritan. Jesus comes to her and talks about the, you know, that there is a water of life. She's there to get water out of the well to drink. And she runs into, of all people, Jesus. Not an accident at all. Jesus arranged this. This was all God's plan to run into this Samaritan woman. In verse 13, Jesus answered and said to every everyone who drinks of this water, the well water, will thirst again. You're going to have to keep coming back every day to get new fresh water. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, shall never thirst again. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. I like that. You like that? That's talking about an eternal water of life. John 7 there is a festival going on. And Jesus is going to use this time as an illustration. In John 37, 737, he says, Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. He yells this out. You know, you've heard of street preachers? Well, here's Jesus right out there with a whole big crowd around. He yells, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from His innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this He spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in Him were to receive. For the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. He's speaking that there will come a time when this water will be absolutely living water that will be living in you talking about the Holy Spirit there. And so there's quite the significance here as he comes on this day of this feast. And he says if anyone is thirsty, there would be priests, and they would be bringing the water through there. And so he used that illustration at that time. Listen, there's, there's something better than this water. So there we... There we are. There's something about water that is crystal clear and flowing and cascading. The glory of God is on it. On the walls of the diamonds, the colors of the precious stones, and now you have this river with the glory of God just streaming down on it. Crystal clear river. So, uh, hey, that looks like a place to hang out maybe for a while, right? From the throne of God, And the Lamb, Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, they are persons of the Trinity. They are God. There's the Lamb sitting on a throne. That is weird. A Lamb on a throne. But we've already seen in Revelation the Lamb is Jesus Christ. When you think of the Lamb, you think of the cross. That He died for you. And streaming out of there is this life. It's He who gives us life everlasting. If you're a believer, you already have that water, that water of eternal life. But when you see it, when you get to see this water coming down, it's going to be gorgeous. Just be, It'll always remind you of what is the, who is the source of this living water. It'll always be flowing. It'll be continual. It's a continual flow of eternal life. You already have it. You already have eternal life. You have this flow that's going in you and out of you. So we have gone to the river. You Ever heard of that song, Let's Go Down to the River? It's one thing about, you know, we go down to the river to baptize people. We've done that before. Uh, and we think of that. And there's songs about that. How about be singing about this river? that we'll go to, to just see the gorgeous beauty, the reflection of the glory of God has come on it. And now, we've seen the river, we're going to now look at the tree. There's a tree there that's nothing like we have ever seen here. We like trees, don't we? We have plenty of them here in Missouri. We appreciate trees. They, they do a lot of things for us. So yeah, water Water does a lot of things for us. Trees do a lot of things for us. I'm sure people who live out in the western states, Arizona, Colorado, or Colorado, well, Colorado has its trees, certain places, but uh, think a, even in New Mexico, or let's go to California, or I do if they're in a, in a desert area, or what have you, and uh, they don't have trees. They don't even have water for miles and miles away. and. Oh, I think of El Paso, which you're very familiar with. It looks pretty dry around there in the summertime. I I was there, you know, we were there a few times going through it. You know, it's not so green, but it's not so green here. But that looks luscious compared to what's happening out in Arizona probably right now. So let's go to the tree now. From the river to the tree. And it says at the end of verse 1, it's come from the throne of God, that uh, river is of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. In the middle of its street, or better yet, in the middle of its path, in the middle of the path of the river, is this tree, both sides. I can't picture it in my mind. The best I can do is that you've got the tree in the middle of this river, and it expands all the way over to one side, or going over to the other side. I don't know. I, I really don't know how to tell you this, and you wouldn't believe how many books, commentaries <laughs> I have tried to get an explanation of this, and nobody really says anything about it because they say, I don't know. So, do you mind if I say, I don't know? You'll have to wait. <laughs> or, you know, somehow this tree is on both sides. And what about soil there? I don't even know if they have dirt and soil in, in heaven. I do you know the streets are made with gold. Is, is the land gold? Or is it some, some other kind of essence? Uh, I don't know. I would tend to think it would be different than the dirt that we have. I don't know. But interesting... This is a symbol of eternal life and blessings that will continue to come for eternity. A symbol of life. Eternal life is the highest life. It's God's life. It's the greatest life. It's the greatest joy. It is the greatest fulfillment. When you look at this tree, it will give you absolute joy fulfillment. The highest life that you can have. We have this river. We have this tree. You have a throne that is up there above it. It's, I don't know. This is going to be awesome, folks. We have to wait. But we are going to even partake of that tree. Now, Adam and Eve were in the garden. And they had the tree of life there. They could eat of that tree of life, but there was another tree, and that tree was called the what? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Eve decided to take of that fruit. That was the tree that they were not to touch. Eve took it too, and there came sin. Resulting out of that is called the curse. When you look at the stream, you look at the tree, you're saying, no, there is no curse anymore. Had they taken of that tree of life after they had eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they would have lived forever under the curse sin would continually be a part of their life. So I've heard and read many times. Go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 9. You know, it's interesting what you see in Genesis a lot, at the very beginning. You see a flip side, or you see the mirror in Revelation. Here's a tree of life in Genesis 2. Here's the tree of life in Revelation. It's back. Or maybe a little different. Genesis 2.9 says, Out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There we go. We talked about that there's the tree of life pleasure joy fullness that is a tree of life it's it's caused by God himself it's nice to be experiencing this tree of life let's go to Proverbs 3.18 let's look a little bit more on tree of life I think this is rather fascinating. What all does tree of life mean? We'll get a few biblically, uh, but I'm sure it means much more than what I can even explain today here, but let's get some ideas going. This chapter in Proverbs 3 is all about wisdom. It gives you all sorts of colorful uh, language about what wisdom is and so uses a lot of analogies Uh, I said verse 18 right she that being wisdom is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who hold her fast who hold wisdom fast wisdom is a tree of life if you have wisdom man you've got it That is life. Living life by wisdom. Watching what you say. What you write. What you post. You are representing Jesus Christ. So anytime you go out there or on your computer you're representing the Lamb of God. Be careful. What you say. Use wisdom the wisdom of God, because what does it do? It gives life. All oh, the language of this world today. It's so totally different than the 1950's. They're using words now on TV that would have never been on. Never. And now it comes on constantly. People that are even politicians, p- judges, people you'd respect. And you're hearing the worst language that it, it's trash it's right out of the bathroom. It's constantly doing it. That's not using wisdom. So I hear a word like that coming from a judge that's supposed to be respected. I, I say judge, or people are supposed to have honor. Or whoever's leading a city or a state, and they use language like that, and they just, in my mind's eyes, they went from here to. Because I realize hey do they know? It really that's they're not using wisdom. Let's go to Proverbs eleven verse thirty. Tree of life. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who is wise wins souls. That's neat. The fruit of the righteous. It's a tree of life. A tree of life means righteousness. Justice. You have righteousness in you. You do things that are right. You speak things that are right. You are righteous because of the tree of life. Life that is in you. Christ-like life. Go to chapter 13, verse 12. Are you getting the idea of what the tree of life is? Thirteen, twelve. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Do you have desires that are godly? You know what God fulfills a lot of those desires. Not everything. We're disappointed a lot here in, on the earth, aren't we? Remember the song: "There is no disappointment in, he- in heaven." You will never be anxious. You will never be disappointed. You'll never say, well, that didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. That won't happen in heaven. You know that even we as Christians get a lot of things that are fulfilled. We desire to drink water. We desire to eat food. We desire to have clothes. We, we desire to have shelter. We desire to have you know, things that go beyond that, a car to get us where we're going. One desire after another all day long, every day. And most of those desires are actually fulfilled. And that's, you know, God raining uh, on the just and the unjust. But look at the grace that we constantly get as believers. And look at. How much of this right here has been fulfilled in our lives? Christ in our lives? Yeah, we get disappointed on things. But one day, even that will be done and uh, disappointment. So our desires will be perfect and they will always be fulfilled. Amen. Whew, nice. 15.4. There's one more there in Proverbs. What's a tree of life? Is this helping us what the tree of life is? 15.4 A soothing tongue is a tree of life. But perversion in it crushes the spirit. A soothing tongue using wisdom. What does it do? It brings blessing to others. You can lift up people's spirits by saying the things of God. By let your mouth, your tongue be like having seasoning in it. And it be seasoned with grace. And what you say is edifying. And it's not the things of the world, but it's the things of God. That's a tree of life. A soothing tongue. People who know how to make peace. People who say the right thing at the right time. And all of a sudden, people who are real anxious, all of a sudden, they start being soothed and calmed. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, I feel much better. Thank you for saying that. But well, thank you for taking me to that scripture. That is the tree of life, folks. That's life. That's just a little bit of it. The tree of life. It's not only in Genesis and Revelation. We see it right there in the Proverbs, don't we? You know what? This tree is about life. The water that comes out is about life. The way life is meant to be. The symbol of a glorious life. It's a symbol of pleasure. Have you ever taken pleasure in the beauties of all the earth? A beautiful day. The beautiful land that you live on or a roundabout or you take a trip, vacation, and you see just gorgeous the beach and, you know uh, or you see the you know uh, a nice lake, beautiful. We're to take those kind of things in. You know what? We are to enjoy that. Christians have the right to enjoy those things more than unbelievers. Because we know where they come from and we're so thankful for all those things that He gives us today. What He's doing is giving us a little glimpse of much better things that are to come. You guys like that? Pleasure. Joy. Joy. Riches, full, meaningful life forever. I'm not making this up. Sounds like I'm somebody on a stage in some kind of a conference, and uh, I've got to beat the positive thinking into your mind. <laughs> I hope not, because this is true. You know, they can bring that up all you want, and you're way up there, sky high. Boy, you're feeling good about yourself, and... You go home, and you're up there for about two days, and it starts, and then a week, and then two weeks, and so some of that stuff doesn't even come true, you know. And you go, but nah, it's not for me. Okay, that's just for ones that are thinking, well, it's kind of going to be boring heaven, All we do is go to church. Remember what I told you there are no churches in heaven. <laughs> You don't go to church. There's no there's no temple there. You say, what? That's what life is all about. You know, I, you know, I, get, I sacrificed. I got up today and come on out, right? <laughs> you came to church. Well, that's where we're supposed to be, this side of heaven. In heaven, we don't go to church. We don't go to the temple. There is no such thing. We don't even pray there, right? You don't even hear any sermons by somebody like me. Thank the Lord. You see... Uh, worship is going to be different there. A lot of things that we do, though, there's going to be singing. That singing is going to be different. Glorious voices. Okay. Can you imagine the harmony that's going to happen there? Well, okay. Pleasure and joy and riches and a full, meaningful life. I like that. And then he says it has 12 kinds of fruit. Yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. It's not going to be boring in heaven. We just are going to be worshiping all the day long, but it's not like where we come in and sit in a seat and we sit there for an hour and a half to two hours and then we go home. Uh, You see... It's going to be so much variety there that he gives us a little symbol here of this tree. It's a tree of life, living life. He's going to say, Now I'm going to show you how to live life. Now we get an idea how to live life to about as full as we can think of. And, you know, we try to go places, see things of God's creation. We try to take in things, read books, hear uh, messages, and you know, just have a full life. That's what we want, right? And well, we should. It's all about glorifying God. Well, He says, N- "You think that was something? Now, you're going to be fully, not inhibited like you are and have been on Earth. You're going to be inhib. You're not going to have in." Any inhibitions, can I say that? Nothing is going to frustrate you or stop you from being the way that God made you to be. So a lot of those things we hold back to on, you know, man, some of those might be good, but uh, he has everything planned out and man, I'm telling you, this is just the start what we will see. The curse is removed and This beauty. He said, "What's the twelve months? I didn't think there were going to be like months there. It's eternal life. Well, it's probably an anthropomorphism, which means it's put in man's way. You know, he's getting down on a level we can think of. What it is is talking about twelve fruits that are on this tree, and they're going to be different. Uh, God is a god of variety." Amen. I mean, you go out into creation and you, you, you know, under the sea, how many different kinds of fish are there? We don't even know how much is there. How many planets, how many stars are really out there? Well, they say there's billions of galaxies. Well, start counting that, yeah. You know. uh, the variety is in. How many colors are there here that we see? How many kinds of cars are there? You know, everything you look at. How many kinds of chairs? How many different kinds of churches are there? You, know, you go on and on and on and on and on. How many different colors of Bibles are there in versions? Variety. God has got a variety. He puts that into our hearts to have variety. We like different kinds of foods. Well, He gives us different foods. From all over the world we continue to find out more different foods that we've never eaten before. It's not always hamburger and mashed potatoes, green beans, whatever you might have. There are plenty of things out there. What he's saying there's a regular cycle of joyous promises with variety. 12 months. I don't know about January, February, March. I would doubt that. But he's saying that there's going to be continual cycles that we're kind of used to. Uh, I'm not talking about having winter season where you have all the snow and the ice and you can't get out and enjoy things. That's not what we're saying there. I don't believe that at all. I think it's just going to be perfect constantly. The climate is going to be there. Okay so what else is it going to be like there in new jerusalem did we get the healing of the nations there then you know partaking of those leaves that that life that joy that richness that fullness and being content It it means taking and enriching our lives. You can say, "What? Are we going to run low on energy? Then we have to eat these leaves, or rub them on us, or something, or wear them, or what? I don't know." (laughs) By the way, are we going to be able to eat that fruit? Well, if you want it, I'm sure you can have it. Sure, you can eat it. Jesus ate after he was resurrected, so we know angels came on this earth and they ate. Uh, Why not? Yeah, that that would be some. We enjoy eating even when we're not hungry sometimes, we enjoy eating, don't we? Well, then we won't need to be, we won't be hungry, we won't be thirsty, but there it is, if you like. It'd be seen as a sense of maybe recharging or maybe enriching us, kind of like a vitamin. You don't take a vitamin because you're sick. You take a vitamin... Because it enriches you. It adds to it. it, It's something that would keep you from getting sick. Although in heaven, you will never ever get sick. No sicknesses, no diseases, right? No death, none of that, right? But it's like energizing. It's exciting. It's taking what you know to be eternal life. I'll tell you, maybe it's something like this. It's an explosion of energy. Okay? Okay. How, how many coffee drinkers do we have here? We have a few. I know. I know some. I know who you are. And one cup for some of you is not enough. You got to get to that second, and some need a third. I'm not looking at anywhere, but some could use four. But it's amazing. It does do something, doesn't it? It's like there's a recharging there, an explosion of energy. Um, it's not because you're tired, but it's revitalizing as you look at eternal life. It's, it's a part of uh, being energized. It's a part of joyful. You know, it's just like things are perfect there. And this just enriches it. Now, next, three. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and His bond servants will serve Him. So, number three, no curse, uh, no sin ever again. What's it going to be like? No sin. That right there tells me a lot. I can do anything that I want, and never will it ever be sin. It cannot be sin. I cannot sin. I will not sin. It's not possible to even sin. I'll be constantly reminded that there is no sin there. I will be so holy. What a thought. We cannot sin. No longer falling short of the glory of God. There's no rebellion. Look in Genesis 3.16. How often do we refer back to Genesis? Are you ready? 16. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your pain and childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children. And Cassandra, I'm sorry to read that right now. <laughs> you are close. <laughs> you already, yeah. I didn't hear what you were talking about. I probably shouldn't have said anything. The afterbirth is worth paying the national Well, okay, you just said it. All right. You'll bring forth child, children in pain. Your desire will be for your husband. You'll rule over you. Then Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, Cursed is the ground because of you, and toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, till you die. (laughs) Because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. A lot of people here that like to grow tomatoes, a lot of people here that like to grow other vegetables, like cucumbers, zucchinis. Um, I think a stand you grow just a lot of things, but I, I think you, you uh, collect grass. Do you not? You you got grass that grows and it becomes really tall, so you got and that's good because cattle need that. It's used for a lot of different things. And you, look around, and you really have to work to do that. Now, we have tools and things that help us today, but I'll tell you what. Just in pulling a few weeds yesterday on the side of my yard that had a fence, and some of it was in the shade and some of it wasn't, it's these green things that come up. They grow real tall. You see them. I don't know birds do that with their seed or something, but they're all over our neighborhood anyway. So I just pull on a few of them out, and of course you start seeing more. I was out there probably 15 minutes, and I was sweating so bad. And I had a cap on to protect my head, and it comes rolling down. I couldn't even see. You know, I was blinded. me, you know, I was my eyes. I had to go in and wipe all that out, otherwise I couldn't even see what I was pulling. I first tried to do it with one eye, and then it got it, and then, and, you know, what I always go back to is this right here. And I start blaming Adam. <laughs> this, this not only was true then, but it's amazing. Thousands of years later, it still applies. All of that. Why do we have to go out and work hard for a living? Adam and Eve were given work to do to give them something to do, but it was all absolute pleasure to do. They did not expend any energy and they did not sweat. (laughs) Sweat's a good thing. Out of even a thing like that, it cools us off. If you don't have sweat glands, then you're in trouble too, aren't you? But that's, that's how good God is. He takes the worst of things and still makes them good. So... This right here tells it all. This is where every man, woman, and child has been at. Thorns and thistles, weeds, and you know whatever God had them. He had the tree you know, and, the, and the fruit and everything that says, OK, now you're going to have to eat the plants of the field. You're going to have to grow them. You're going to have to plant them. Then you're going to have to water them, take care of them, and weed them. All the time until they grow, and then you got to go out and pick them in in the hot sun. And boy, it's work. Yep, that's what happened. We can visibly see what the curse did. Revelation twenty-one, four. And even if you don't grow food, you still work. You do something, whatever it is. You do things that makes you tired sweaty 22.4 no 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 21.4 is really where I want to be and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death, there will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain the first things have passed away, guess what the curse is gone the curse is removed there's no rebellion And then 22 says this, bond servants will serve Him, will serve Him constantly. That is, all the believers, in His presence, and what a privilege it is to serve God. He will be pleased all the time with our serving. It is hard to believe, but check this one out. We know we're going to serve Him, right? Look in t- Luke 12:35. I'll just read it. And let you get the idea yourself. I know I watched, I looked at this. I don't know what I've done there. I've lost my passage, and I don't want to take any more time. Um, But we are servants, we know that. But He will serve us. He's been serving us, hasn't He? He served us the Word of God today. He serves us constantly with all the things that we need for our physical bodies, and He's going to serve us. What is it? thirty-seven. Is it thirty-seven? Twelve thirty-seven. Okay, Luke twelve thirty-seven. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when He comes. Truly, I say to you, that He will gird Himself to serve, and have them recline at the table. And will come up and wait on them. That is a picture of what He, as the Master, will do, as He waits on us and serves us. Do you remember what Jesus did with the disciples of the Apostles? And He served them. He put that the cloth around Him, and He got down and served them. Reach down to do that. That's an amazing thing. So he will be serving us, we'll be serving him. Verse four they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. You know what? Never before in human history has man ever seen the face of God. Moses saw the glory of God, and it was the backside. Peter, James, and John saw the, a little bit of a glimpse of glory of God whenever Jesus was on that mount of transfiguration. And we wait for the time that we shall see Him as He is. But wait a minute, Dennis. The Bible says no man can see God. In Exodus 33, 20-23, that's really what it's saying. In John one eighteen, and so I'm skip, skipping some verses here for fear that I might get the wrong verse. No. <laughs> I know this is right. Thank you, Debbie, for um, retrieving me out of that. What I said, John 1.18 uh, says, No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He is explained him. Not even Moses really saw that glory first Timothy 6:16 6, talks about the same thing so those scriptures there you can look them up all citizens of heaven I'm saying this right now will see God you are going to see God in his glory look in first John 3 verse 2. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that which would be called children of God and such we are. For this reason the world does not know Him because it did not know Him. Verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet or what we will be. We know that when He appears we will be like Him because we will see Him just as He is. The fullness of glory is given for us to see only glorified bodies can see this go back to Matthew 5.8 you know the Sermon on the Mount you know what one of those blessings is the Beatitudes right Matthew 5.8 says blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God Blessed are the holy. When we're perfectly holy, He will allow us to see Him. What would happen if we saw God's glory right now? Immediate death. We couldn't take it. These bodies will. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How about one more? John 17, verse 24. Jesus is praying for the disciples praying for us and this is a whole chapter of John 17 Father I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you love me for the foundation of the world here's what I want Father for them to see my glory which is God's glory seeing the face of God. All citizens will see that. We will look. We will not die. We will see Him because we are holy. We will have names on the foreheads that He gives us. However that is. And that means we belong to Him. It says, see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. We belong to Him. We're special to Him. It'll be a name that means something special to God. Revelation three twelve talks about that. We finish it off in verse four and uh, verse five. I mean, and there will be no longer any night, and they will not have need of the night of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illuminate them, and they will reign forever and ever. We close this out quickly because in chapter twenty one said there would be no sun. There would be no temple. We read that last week, didn't we? I don't have to elaborate on it. There will be no sun because it's all coming and emanating from God. It's the absolute light that is true. He is the light. He is the source of light. Revelation 21-23 says that the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it. It even says there's not going to be any night There will never be night time hours there. Because the Lord God illumines always. He lights up everyone who is there. We will be illumined. We will be glorified. And His glory will be shining on us. Remember when the glory of God shone upon Moses and there was a covering of the face because it was too much for the people. It was still shining on His face. Well, that was just a little bit we will see fully the glory of God. What does that mean? And he says we will reign forever and ever. He's called us servants. Also who will be served. We'll be servants that sit on the throne. We will be servants that will reign forever and ever, and whatever that means. We won't be reigning and punishing people because there will not be any sin. All it means is that we'll be with Him in His glory, His absolute presence. What all does that all mean? Stay tuned to the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen. I close this. I have to have one more verse because folks, you'll think i this the rest of the day. You want to know why? Because I just said that. <laughs> no, it's because This is what is happening now to us versus what we just read. Verse 16, of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day, the spiritual man. Here we go. You ready? For momentary light affliction is producing for, what is that? That's right now. Have any of you been afflicted lately? I bet you every one of yeah. you have. Is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comprehension. What we've just been studying. And then it says, while we look not at the things which are seen, we're looking at what we just read. For the things which are seen are temporal, it's all going to be burned up. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Lord, you've just given us a glimpse of eternal life. We have great promises here and we're banking everything that we know on you. On everything that we read right here, it is ours. You give it. And you're holding it for us, this treasure in heaven. And really the treasure is you. As we'll see you face to face. That's really all we need. But no just like the great God that You are, You're going to show us and give us things for an eternity that we cannot imagine at all. Lord, it is a wonder. It's amazing. It's astonishing. And I sit here, I stand here, we sit here and just in awe of the beauty and glory that we're going to see when we look at you and then you're going to say, hey, look at this. Look what I have over here. And you'll always be, wherever we go, right there with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name because it is your will, Lord. It is your will. Nothing that we pray there is not uh, of the world or of ourselves, flesh but it's totally of you because it's based off on your truth that you kill us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.